inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God has not changed. And that is the life that we have received. Says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is, that is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ magnified in you. Alright. I'm sharing concerning discipleship. Discipleship. And I'm going to be teaching you over a long period. Hallelujah. Discipleship. Say discipleship. Tell your neighbor and say, turn to your neighbor and say discipleship. Turn to your neighbor and say discipleship. Turn to the one behind you and say discipleship. Hallelujah. And I want us to start from Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Let's read from verse 25. I'd want all of us to read it together. Okay? Luke chapter 14 from verse 25. Hallelujah. I want us to read from here together. One, two, go. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Go to the next verse. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counter the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it and all that it's To mock him, yes. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goeth to war? Against another king, sitteth not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Let's go on. Or else... While the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desired conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaken not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's a wonderful scripture. So this, these portions of the Bible is, um, is Jesus communicating to people. The Bible says he turned to the multitude. There were a lot of people who were following him. A lot of people were following him. And they were following him for various reasons. People had various reasons for coming to Jesus. There was a day... Jesus went to, <laughs> he got some people bread. He fed about 4,000 people with bread. 
with, and with some fishes. You know, he multiplied it for them. They had, they had come for a meeting with him. They were hungry. And he multiplied bread for them. And they ate. And they were full. And when that happened, the following, the Bible says that they came looking for him. They were looking for him. But he had gone to another side. He had bought, he had bought a ship and gone to another, the other side of the, the sea. The people boarded ships as well and followed him. And he, he asked them, why are you guys following me? Then they said, oh, it is because of the bread. Hallelujah. Yes, they, they were actually following because of the bread. They wanted to eat more bread. They, they said, ever give us more of this bread, Lord. Give us, we want this bread every time. Some people were following because of bread. Others were also following because of miracles. They, they, they had seen great miracles and they wanted to see more. Various, you know, different people with different kinds of, uh, of desires were following Jesus. Okay? But Jesus wanted to let them know exactly what it means to follow him. You see, the day you become born again, you become a follower of Jesus Christ, actually. The born again, there are those who try to differentiate discipleship from Christianity. But it is not different. Yeah, a lot of people think that it's, it's different. There are those who say that all disciples are Christians or believers, but not all believers are disciples. There's a popular statement around. But I beg, I beg to differ. It's, it's not true. Every believer is actually a disciple. Because when you read the book of Acts, when um, people were getting born again, they called all of them disciples. They didn't call some Christians and called some disciples. The name Christian was given to disciples in Antioch. Do you get it? It was given to disciples in Antioch because they saw how they were living and how they were flowing and they said that these people are like Christ. The word like Christ in Greek means, is Christian. It means Christian. Like Christ. And that's how come we've been called Christians over the years. In the book of Acts, it's used twice. The very first time it was spoken of by the people in Antioch. It wasn't even given by, it's not a name that was given by the Christians. It was given by those who were looking on. The unbelievers who were looking on and saw how they were living. And the next time it was used, it was used by a king called King Agrippa. Okay? King Agrippa was listening to Paul. And Paul spoke and spoke and spoke and, Paul, and King Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuaded me, succeeded in persuading me to become a Christian. That was the second time that word was used. But every Christian is a disciple. Who is a disciple? A disciple is one who is called to learn as a pupil, a learner of Christ. One who is called to learn Christ. One who is called to follow Christ. Hallelujah. One who is called to be trained by the master to do what the master has called him to do. You get it? And every Christian is a disciple. See, I'm a disciple. Say it again, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, what that means is that you have been called to follow Jesus. You have been called to go after Jesus. You have been called to look like him. You have been called to do what he wants you to do. Not the other way around. When you become born again, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10. Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Very interesting scripture. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Have you seen it? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, let's read from verse 8. It will be nice from verse 8. But what seeth it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So it's the word of faith which we preach is even in thy heart and in thy mouth, right? In thy mouth and in thy heart. Then it says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That's what you confess, isn't it? 
What does that mean? It means that you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. You confess Jesus as the owner of your life. You confess Jesus as the one who is going to rule your life. Is going to govern your life. Is going to have dominion over your life. Isn't it amazing? So you, that's, that's how it begins. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. You don't make Jesus the servant of your life. You don't make Jesus the brother of your life. You don't make Jesus the solution to all your problems of your life. You make him the Lord. The word Lord means owner. It means he owns you. He owns you. You make him the owner of your life. Say the Lord owns me. Say Jesus is my Lord. And that means he owns me. He owns my life. Okay? What that means is that whatever he says to you is what you do. You don't, you don't get in touch with him for your use, for your purpose. A lot of people are using God. God is not there to be used by you. God is there to use you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God wants to use you, not the other way around. Some people want to use God to achieve all kinds of things. They want to use God to get married. They want to use God to get a job. They want to use God to do so many things. I mean, to prosper, to be healed. To, they, they come to God for things. Just like these, group, these people had come. There were a lot of people, they had come. They were just, for different reasons. Some had come for healing. Some had come for all kinds of things. Then Jesus decided to separate them. He decided to separate those who are following him. A disciple is one who follows. All the disciples of Jesus followed him wherever he went to. Wherever he went to. There was a day, Jesus was told by some people from Lazarus' house. Okay? Lazarus, whose sister was Mary, and whose sister was also Martha, whose dad was Simon the leper, whom Jesus healed. Jesus healed a man called Simon the leper and went to his house. And when he went to his house, he met the, the man's son and two daughters. Hallelujah. And he became friends with the Bible. says that he loved Lazarus so much. Jesus was outside of Jerusalem when he was called on that his friend was sick to the point of death. But he did not go. The Bible says that he waited for some time. And after some time, he said that Lazarus is dead. Let us go and raise him. That's what Jesus said. And as they were going, you see, prior to this, the Jews had sought to slay or they had sought to stone Jesus. They wanted to, to, to stone Jesus. Okay? And when Jesus, when Jesus rose up to go, Thomas said that, ah, let us go and go and die with him. Because Thomas knew that when they go to the place, they are going to die. That's John chapter, John chapter 11 verse 16. He says, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. You see, a disciple is one who follows the Lord to wherever he's supposed to go to. They knew they were going to die if they should go among the Jews. But they went anyway. Thomas said it. He says, let us go and also go and die with him. Hallelujah. So a disciple, if you, if you read your Bible very carefully, you see that the word disciple goes with following. Jesus said to, to Peter, follow me and I'll make you a fish of men. He, you follow and he makes you what he wants to make you. So it's not a question of what, what I want to do with myself. A disciple is one who asks the Lord what he wants to do with him. Are you here? Are you a disciple? Ask your neighbor, are you a disciple? What did he say? A disciple. That means that you follow the Lord wherever he goes. You're a follower. You follow him. Whatever he wants to do, you do it with him. That's what it means. Hallelujah. 
So in Luke chapter 14, where we are reading, Jesus decided to, he started talking about what it means to be a disciple. What it means to be a disciple. We are Christians, and because we are Christians, we are disciples. Now I want to help you understand what it means to be a disciple, so that you can learn to live like a disciple. And learn to achieve the results that God wants you to achieve. Okay? Yeah, there's a certain result that God wants you to achieve. And without you living as a disciple, you cannot achieve that result. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the very first thing Jesus mentions, he says, If any man come to me and hate not his father, this is Luke chapter 14, verse 26. He says, If any man come to me and hate not his father, and hate not his mother, and hate not his wife, and hate not his children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and even his own life, hates his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So what it means to be a disciple means is that you hate your mother, your father, your brother, your children, your sisters, your wife, yourself. Do you understand hate? You see, this is not, he means exactly what he's talking about. Jesus was very serious. This is a very serious statement. He says, whoever comes after me, whoever comes after me, whoever wants to be my disciple, must hate mother and father and brother and children and wife. You must hate your wife. I hate my wife. Hallelujah. With respect to the scripture, hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, you must hate your wife, you must hate your husband, you must hate your children. What does it mean? Is it literal? Emphatically, yes. Emphatically, yes. This is actually a very easy thing to do. It's a very, very easy thing to do. Let me explain it to you. You see, the very first commandment that Jesus, that God gave, Okay, in the Old Testament, if you read in Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 20, God gave, gave Moses some ten commandments. The very first five spoke about God. How that you must not have any image, worship any other God apart from him. Have no image apart from, have no image in his likeness or whatever. And worship that image. Don't, don't use his name in vain. He said so many things about himself. Don't swear. By the name of the Lord. Because you don't know the one who sits in the heavens. He said all those things. But there was the day Jesus was sitting down and a man came to ask him. What is the first commandment? What, which one should I obey? Which one should I keep? Then Jesus said that the one for you to keep is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. Okay? Then he said, and the second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that this is the completion of the, the commandment. This is the completeness of the commandment. If you love the Lord, the, this is Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. Let's read from verse 30, 38. Go to verse 36, so that we understand it more. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? See, this guy came and asked, which one is the great commandment in the law? Then Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Have you seen it? You shall, lo- you shall love the Lord your God with all, with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind. Keep it, keep it there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So this is the commandment that God has given. This is the instruction that God has given. Hallelujah. And this instruction is to all of his children. Are you a child of God? The day you became born again, God implanted in you love. He, you see, God is the God of love. In John chapter 4, he, first John chapter 4, he mentions that God is love. Okay? And because God is love and we are born after God, it means that we are also love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it lets us know that we, the love of God, the love of Christ is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You see, so we have the love of God resident in our spirits. We are the loved children of a love God. 
And God has proved his love for us by coming to die for us. Therefore, he expects us to also reciprocate that love. That is why he says that the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God. The Lord your God. You see, he calls him the Lord your God. Who is the Lord? Who is the, who is the Lord? Jesus Christ, right? So he's talk, Jesus is actually talking about himself. He says, you shall love me with all your heart. Do you understand all your heart? All your heart means all your being. Everything that is in you. Your heart represents the center of your life. All your life. All your heart. It says, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul. With all your mind. And everything that is in your mind. And with all your mind. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Your soul includes your emotions. Okay? Your emotions. God wants you to love him to the extent that even your emotions love him. You become emotional with God. You see the way when you are in love with somebody, you can become emotional. How many of you have fallen in love before? Lift up your hand if you have fallen in love before. Ha! Hey, you've not fallen in love before. Richard, you've not fallen in love before. You've not fallen in love before. Ask your neighbor, have you fallen in love before? If you are falling in love before, you see your emotions, you are, you, are, you are gone. Your emotions are gone. You are in love. Even children can fall in love. Yeah, as a child, you can have a crush on somebody. You are in love. When you see the person, you want to just do something for the person. And you can't sleep. Yeah, you can't sleep. You, you, are, you are there. Oh. Hallelujah. God wants you to be in love with him to the extent that you become emotional. You become emotionally attached. When you say somebody is emotionally attached, yeah, this is loving with all of your soul, with all, all of your heart, with all of your mind. This is what God is talking about. When he says, hate your brother, hate your father, hate your mother, hate your wife. If you want to be my disciple, or if you want to, we don't have that option to want to be. We are actually his disciples. I'm just showing you how we live. You get it? Yeah. We are, we are his disciples. The fact that you are born again means that you are his disciple. And I'm just showing you what it means. What it means is that you must love the Lord. You must love the Lord with all of your heart. Okay? Go to Matthew chapter 10. Let me show you some more. Matthew chapter 10. Let's read from verse 34 to verse 37. Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus talking again. What is written in Luke? He's saying the same thing but in a different way. Okay? He's saying the same thing so we can understand it very well. He says, don't think that I'm come to send peace on earth. Meanwhile, he's called the prince of peace. In the book of Isaiah chapter 9, he's called the prince of peace. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And he shall be called what? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. He's called the prince of peace. Yet in this place, he says that, don't think that I've come to send peace. <laughs> I've come to send peace on the earth. But I have come to send I came not to send peace, but a sword. I came to send a sword and not peace. What a shock. Say, what a shock. Since I came to bring a sword. See, a sword. A sword is used to cut things. He says, I'm come to cut some things. And he lets us know what he's coming to cut. He's brought a sword to come and cut some things. Look at the next thing. He says, for I am not, I am come to set a man at variance against his father. I'm come to send a, set a man against his, his father. Are you saying it? For I am come to set a man at variance. Let's read another version, another version so that we see the word variance, whether it will change. So that you understand it. Message. Let's go to message and see. Make a sharp knife. Cut between son and father. 
daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. Cut through those cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Since I've come to cut through all those cozy arrangements, eh? cozy domestic arrangements, and free you for God. Huh. Let's read the Amplified and see. For I have come to part asunder a man from his father. See, that with a sword, with a sword that he has come, he comes to cut between a man and his father. What does it mean? Go back. Let's go back, go back to King James so that we understand even some more. For I am come to set, not, to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36. A man and a man's foes, or a man's enemy shall, enemy shall be they of his own household. A man's enemy shall be all those in his house. So the people in your house are actually the ones who are against, <laughs> who are against you. Hallelujah. He says, he that loveth mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. Have you seen it? This is what he's trying to talk about. He says, the one who loveth mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So when he says, hate wife, hate daughter, hate uh, husband, hate whatever, what he's saying is that, compared to me, let my relationship with you, my love relationship with you be so strong that compared to them, it looks like you hate them. Do you get it? So love me to the extent that when you, someone says then considers my relationship between you and your relationship between your wife, it looks like you hate your wife. It looks like you hate your husband or you hate your daughter. You hate your make decisions for me. Hallelujah. That's what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means you love the Lord so much that you make decisions for Him, irrespective of what any of your family people say. It's when you decide to be committed to God. The very first group of people who try to prevent you from being committed to God is family. First group. Before the world will attack you, your family attacks you first. Those in your house attack you first. Why is it that you go to a meeting and you don't come early? Why is it that you are like this? Why is it that you pray? Why are you praying too much? Before you weren't praying, when you weren't praying, nobody had a problem with you. You are okay. You are a bad boy. You are a chillabite. Do you know a chillabite? You are a buzzite, a chillabite, a weabite. You are just... Doing everything. All the bites. You were just doing everything and everything was okay. Everybody was happy with you. Some people say, oh, we've given up on him. This is also this guy. We know him. That's how he is. Leave him alone. But when you decided to become serious with God, then everything changes. Why is that when you go to church, you don't come early? Why is that you're going on soul winning? Aren't you tired? Your, your shoes will wear. Why? I bought you the shoes. Why are you wearing? Why are you using the shoes to go up and down? Like, I don't like those things. Then people are talking and saying all kinds of things. Is it true? Yeah. But Jesus says that, listen, no matter what they say, no matter what they think, get close to me more and more. Have, a, have, a, have an ambition to love me more and more. Make decisions for me. That's what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means you make decisions for the Lord. He's the first on your calendar. He's the first on your list. Every other thing is secondary. Okay? He that loveth father or mother more than me. It's not worthy of me. The word worthy of me means that the, the Greek word communicates the idea of you being worthy of carrying me or having my presence in your life. You understand? It means that if you love mother or father more than you love me, you will not have me, my presence in your life, increasing as it's supposed to. The presence of God can increase in your life or reduce in your life. Okay? 
Don't think that the presence of God that you have with you right now is that it's what is all that is there in the world. It's not true. There's more. There's more. There's no death to God. There's no death in finishing knowing God. Nobody can say I finished knowing God. Not at all. You can you can never say that you finished knowing God. I've come to the peak of no, of God. I've come to the death of God. This is the last show of God. There's nothing like that. God is deep. Every time someone sang a song and said, The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. The more I seek you, the more I find you. You see, the more you seek him, he's not lost. God is not lost. God is in you. Is God in you? In first John 4, 4 it says that ye are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is in you, he is there. But you must seek him some more. You must seek to get to know him some more. You must seek to love him some more. You must seek to give him your emotions some more. Give him your heart. Are you saying it? Give him your heart. Learn to love him. You sometimes you come and we are worshiping and you get, it doesn't move you. It's not supposed to be like that. Every slight thing about God should move you. You see, when you're in love, oh, when you're in love, you will do anything. I mean, if you should, I remember some years ago. Let me share a story with you. Uh, there was a meeting, I was in Kenya, my wife was also in Kenya. There was a meeting at Royal Parade Grounds. At that time, they had not done those things around it, the steps that's around. They had not done all that. It was a plain field. This is 2006, I believe. It was a very large meeting. I think uh, one of these festo festo. What was it? What was it? Intellecto. Yes. And there were a lot of people there. There were more than, there were about, let's say about 10,000 people there. A lot of people. It's amazing. A lot of people. Though. And I was sitting at the back. And a lady stood up and walked to go and do something. When the lady stood up. Now, I was very far away. Very, maybe like from here to the girl filling station at that side. Very far away. But when she stood up, I knew that it was my wife. Wow. I knew that. I, 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 knew, I knew her before. When she stood up and she was going, I just knew that it was, it was her. And I told my, my, my friend, Charlie, that's the baby, oh, Charlie. <laughs> that's the lady, oh, Charlie. It's a joke. I, every small wind, I, I just know that she's the one passing back. I know. Because I'm in love. Yes, you will do anything when you are in love. Any small, thing, you see, any small thing from the one you love makes you excited. Why should you come to church and you are not excited about God? There's a problem. It means that your love for him is waning. Your love for someone can either reduce or increase, depending on what you are doing with him. The more you communicate, communication increases love. The more you communicate, the more you grow in love. The more you talk and respect the person, the more you, you increase in love. And when you love somebody, you see, love is by action. You would not know. Love, love is, is intangible. It's an intangible reality. You can't know when somebody is in love until the person starts acting in a certain way. You wouldn't know if the person is in love. Until the person starts acting in a certain way, you would not know. It's, it's secret. It's, it's hidden. But when the object of his love appears, no mind the ladies will start fidgeting. They can't. They, 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 because they are conscious of the fact that someone is looking at them. And the guy too may not be able to take the eye off you. Just be there like that. He's just mesmerized. Everything the lady does is beautiful. Everything. I mean, she, the person has become the object, object of his love. Everything the person does, it doesn't matter what she does. She, he just, she's just beautiful. If the hair is somewhere, it's beautiful. Whatever it is, it's beautiful. You don't care. You just like it. Is it true? Yeah. 
Hallelujah. In the same way, when you're in love with God, when your love with God is increasing, everything that concerns Him concerns you. We begin to act in a certain way. One of the things that, you see, church is one of the things that shows that you love God. When you come in and when you bring someone in, it shows that you love Him. It's part of it. It's part of the actions that go with love. One of the main actions that go with love is the Word of God. Jesus said that if you love me, you shall keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said in John. He said, if you love me, keep my words. If a man loves me, he shall keep my words. Hallelujah. So, when you, the way, one of the ways to love God, to increase in the love of God that you have, is by getting into the Word of God. The more you get into the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, the more, just read it for reading's sake. Just read it. You can just try to read it. The more you read it, the more you fall in love with it. Okay? He says that love me with all of your heart. With all of your soul. With all of your mind. There are other places where he says, love me with all of your might, all of your strength. Everything that is in you. David was special because he loved God. Everything concerning God was something he was concerned about. David was a very special guy. He loved God from a very, very, very young age. Because he lived in fulfillment of that particular word that God had given. That particular instruction that God had given. Love me with all of your heart. You see. Love me with all of your soul. Love me with all of your mind. So when Jesus said that if a man does not hate mother or brother or father or whatever... He cannot be my disciple. That was what he meant. You must learn to love me. Go to Second Corinthians. Chapter 5. Let's read from verse 14. It's a very interesting scripture there. That I want you to see. Second Corinthians chapter 5. From verse 14. Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. You see, Paul is saying that. You see, how many of you know Paul in the Bible? Paul, did, Paul traveled a lot. Paul did a lot of things for the Lord. He did a lot of things. He was always moving around. He never stayed at one point, one place, for more than three years. He was always moving. And he wasn't moving because of money. He was moving because of souls. He was just moving around. Getting people born again. Raising them in the Lord. Doing a lot of things. I mean, just basically sold out to the Lord. Everywhere he went, the first, the main reason, there was a day he went to a place called Athens. He was just waiting for some of his friends to come back to him so that they moved to another place. They were in Macedonia and he was in Athens and he was waiting for them to come so that they go. And the Bible says, as he stayed in Macedonia, as he stayed in Athens, the, the Spirit of God in him moved him. He was moved. He was compelled from within. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, given to all kinds of things, he could not but start talking about Christ. He started talking. And before long, a lot of people had given their lives to Christ. He was put in a place called Europagus or Master's Hill. And he defended the gospel in front of so many people. And so many people gave their lives to Christ. Why did he do that? Because he loves the Lord. The reason for working for the Lord is not because of rewards. The reason for working for the Lord is because we love him. The primary reason why we work for God is not because we want to get something out of him. The primary reason why we work for God is so that we, it's because we love him. It's because all of our hearts belongs to him. If you love somebody, you will do anything for him. Is it true? Is it true? My dear, is it true? It's very true. Yeah, if you are in love. What are some of the things you do if you are in love? Can you tell me one thing you do when you are in love? Have you fallen in love before? You are falling in love. Tell me what some of the things you are doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> you do everything for the person. 
you would give everything that you have if the person asks you, you just give it to the person. Even when when you have to go hungry, you just give it to the person. Even when you have to go hungry, you give it to the person. I know a lady who is cooking for a certain guy in her, from her pocket. Every time she's just cooking. Morning, afternoon, she, they are not married though. They are just students. They say they are in love. And the lady is just cooking, just doing investment. She's just investing. I was worried when I heard it. I was like, I say you are both students. I was very worried. I said, reduce your love a little. <laughs> this love is too deep. Reduce it. I, she was doing everything you can think about. Just buying food stuff and all that so that this guy can eat. And the guy is just becoming big and she's becoming small. Yeah. She's in love. When you're in love, you will do anything. You will do anything. You will walk for miles. All because your friend or my wall. You know that's my wall. When love sends you, you can't say you will not go. You will go. Obeko, you will go. No matter how far away she is, you will want to be there. I remember some time ago, my wife traveled to where beloved. She traveled to Drobo. You know Drobo? It's close to Ivy Coast border. I moved from here and just went there. Yes. Yeah, I'm in love. Stop doing A E like you will not do some. If you've not done some, you are going to do some very soon. I just moved. Ma, I didn't care. I was just I didn't care about my safety whether I'll get accident. Nothing. I was just going. And as I was going, I had my, my hand was full of presents. Like just man. Charlie, my beloved is mine. And I am my beloved. I mean, just happy. I didn't care. Hallelujah. Yeah, you, you, must be, you must be emotionally involved with God. Okay? Don't be too hard with God. You are so hard. You, God, when God says hi, hi. Then you move away. No, you have to be soft with God. You have to be emotional with God. With all of your soul. With all of your will. All that is in you. Okay, that's what it means to be a disciple. Why do we do all the things? We do it because we love him. So Paul says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constrains us. It pushes us, it moves us to do what we do. The love that we have for Christ. This particular phrase here is actually the love that we have for Christ. Not the love of Christ, as in the love that Christ has in our behalf. But the love that we have for Him. The love that we have for Him is what constrains us, impels us, compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Look at the next thing. And that He died for all, that they which live should no longer, should not have, not have for live unto themselves, but unto him that which died for them and rose again. You see, Paul said that he died so that we might not live unto ourselves, but live for him. So we are, I'm not existing for myself. I'm existing for someone. Do you understand? That's what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple, to, for Jesus to be the Lord of our life, means that you're existing for him. And God is a God of love. There's nothing that he will tell you to do that will be to your disadvantage. Everything he tells you to do will be to your advantage. Paul called himself a born slave, a loved slave of God. That's what he said. He said, I'm a loved slave of Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. You must, you must become emotional with God. You must become... Do you, do you understand when I say you must become emotional with God? Or you don't understand? Let God move your feelings. Let Him be able to move you. Okay? Yeah. Let things that have to do with God move you. Let's just move your heart. You know, you fall in love with your heart. Your heart is gone. Your heart, I, I give you my heart, I run on batteries. 
People propose like that. I don't know what they will do with their life when their heart is broken. I give you my heart, I run on batteries. I'll give you my heart and run on solar panels. I'll give you my heart and run on generator. I've given their, their hearts to people. Yes. Their heart is gone. And when, when the lady is behaving some way, they can sit in the room and think for a very long time. And cry. Nobody is beating them, but they are crying. You can see big men in their rooms crying. They are moved. You get it? They are moved. Actions, the actions of the other person causes them to be moved. If everything is also nice, when you wake up, it's like there are butterflies around you. It's like, you're just, you're just so, when you wake up, you're just so excited. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. You're just so excited every time. When this are not so right, you become very worried. You can be walking around, hmm, just doing, hmm, hmm, hmm. When they ask, what's wrong with you? you can't, when your mother asks you, what's wrong with you? You can't say, you can't say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it is beyond understanding. It is beyond the mind. Because your heart is gone. God wants your heart. You see, so God is saying that if there is a lady or a guy who is more, who can move you more than I can move you, then there's a problem. If there's something that can move you more, if money can move you, okay, to sadness or to joy, and I can't, then there's a problem. It means that our love, your love for me is down. It's to the low. It's to the low. Hallelujah. You must be moved. That's what God meant. Learn to be moved. And that's, this is our first calling. Our first, we are called into fellowship with Him. That means that we are called into a love relationship with Him. You read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. Very popular scripture, you know. 1 Corinthians 1, 19. Let's look at it. We are not called to do any other thing. We are not called to pastor. We are not called to do any of those. It's the first calling. The reason why we pastor is because we love Him. The reason why we do other things that we do is because we love Him. The reason why we come to church is because we love Him. We love Him. The reason why we worship Him and give is because we love Him. That is the first and primary reason. Every other thing is secondary. Okay? Jesus said that if, you, if you're going to be my disciple, you must hate everybody. You must hate everybody. That's the 1 Corinthians 1.19. Verse 9. Sorry. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Since God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been called unto that fellowship, unto a fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ. So we have, there's a love relationship that we sustain, that He sustains with us. Okay? And amazingly, the more you attend to that love relationship, the more you learn to love the Lord. You must learn it. You have to learn it. You have to learn it. You have to learn to love the Lord over time. Learn to say, I love you, Lord. Don't only worship when we come to church. Worship is only once a week for you when we are in church. And you really miss it. You come late. So you miss, you miss it. You come at the point when it is practically done. And when we are worshiping, you just look at the pe- person doing the worship. Uh, it's like the person's voice is not nice. Why is it that the person is shouting? Is it? You don't really understand what is going on. And you will not get into the flow. So there are, there are Christians who have gone weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks without expressing any love. God is just there in their life so that they can ask for something. God, my school, my school fees. Father, if you do it for me, ah, what I'll do for you. But the Lord knows everything. But he just does it for you anyway. But his heart craves for your heart. Okay? There's so much, the fulfillment that is in loving God cannot be compared to anything on earth or anything in heaven. 
the, the fulfillment in loving God. When you learn to love God. Okay? When you learn to have sweet fellowship with the Lord. You wake up in the morning, you say good morning to the Lord, and you start praying. And you don't pray, you don't pray because you want, to have, you want to be energized. It's part of it, but that is secondary. You pray because you love Him. Hallelujah. Do you understand? You pray because you really, you really love Him. Okay? You are moved by Him. I love you with all of my heart. There's none beside you. And that means that you must, you must learn to kill everything that will try to distract God. Your love between, the love between you and God. Every other thing that tries to distract. You must learn to kill it. Okay? Yeah. That's why it says hate. Hate mother. Hate mother. Hate father. Hate your child. Hate your wife. Hate your husband. Hate all of those people. For my sake. All for my sake. In the Old Testament, there are examples in the Old Testament of uh, this particular scripture in Matthew chapter 10 that I read to you. Where it says that you must hate mother, hate father. The one who loves mother, father more than me is not worthy of me. This is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of carrying me. That God wants you to be worthy of carrying him. Okay, we carry the presence of God. This is the truth. What I'm talking about is the increasing presence of God in our life. Listen. There are Christians who have been Christians for a long time. Okay? Christianity is a dynamic life. It's not boring. It's actually dynamic. It's very exciting. When Christianity begins to become boring, you should start asking yourself questions. Okay? When you, your, your life becomes tight, it's like right now, it's like you are not flowing as you want to. You can't pray as you want to. Before you are praying 30 minutes, now you are praying 5 minutes. You should start asking yourself questions. And you should know that afflictions are with you when you start drifting. I know when I'm, when I'm going to hit the rocks. I know. <laughs> when things start reducing, my prayer life starts reducing. My study life starts going some way. Now I'm more concerned about TV than I am. I'm concerned about watching some programs. You know you can, be, you can fall in love with some programs to the extent that you watch it with timing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, when the time is coming, you live in anticipation of that particular time to watch a certain series or something. You can be you can be in your house and then you are just, eh, the, what time is the is the thing starting? What's it called? What, what are they watching now? Lagata, Kukumbaja. That has taken a lot of people's attention, and they live in expectation of Kukumbaja or other things. And they, they wonder why their life is the way it is. They wonder why they are in trouble. For you, maybe it's not Kunkumbaja. For you, maybe it's Facebook. You are in, so in love with Facebook. When, when you don't check Facebook after every five minutes, you feel sick. I don't know if you felt like that before. Be honest with me, I mean. Yeah. If you don't check Twitter, if you don't check Instagram, your Instagram page, if you don't check your, your Snapchat, something, you will not be happy. WhatsApp. I mean, WhatsApp is so powerful. When you wake up, pay, pay, then you just check. As soon as you check at 5 a.m., that is the end. You'll be checking throughout the day. Is it true? Yeah. You should, so, don't, don't, you should know why problems come. Okay. When, when you are in, you are in deep fellowship with the Lord and increasing in love with Him, trouble may come, but you don't even see it. But when you are not in deep fellowship with them, when trouble comes, you will not you you'll be surprised at how the trouble what the trouble will do to you. 
And things will, things will not be working. It's like money is not coming in as it's supposed to. The thing is not functioning as it's supposed to. A lot of things are not functioning as they are supposed to. It is all because of one particular thing that you've neglected. Your time with the Lord. Your fellowship with the Lord. Your, your love for the Lord. Your lo- how, how you love God. You, do you understand? So this, this particular thing I'm talking to you about is something that you have to make your life's priority. Decide that I'm going to love God with everything I have. Everything in my heart. Everything in my heart. My, my life is going to be a long life lived in loving the Lord. Hallelujah. And that means you have to cut everything that is in disorder. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 33. Let's read from verse 8. Deuteronomy 33 from verse 8. In this particular portion of the Bible, Moses was blessed. Moses was about to die. He was about to check out. And he was blessing the children of Israel. He was blessing, blessing. He got to Levi, the tribe called Levi. Then he said of them, he said, And of Levi, he said, Let thy Tumim and Urim, thy Urim, be with thy Holy One. He called the children of Levi, thy Holy One, the Holy Ones. Then he says, Let thy Tumim and thy Urim be with thy Holy One, whom thou disprove at Massa. And with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. If you read your Bible very carefully, Massa and Meribah was the place where there was a struggle with God between the children of Israel. The children of Israel were struggling with God for water. They said they wanted water. They were memory against God. Moses, you brought us out here to come and die. We come out, we don't know what to do. We've not drank any water. Then God spoke to Moses and Moses struck the rock and the rock produced water for them, if you remember. All the children of Israel cried, including the children of Levi. They all cried for water. They were all crying for water. Okay? But he said that these guys became holy. How did they become holy? He says they became holy to the extent that he gave them the Urim, the Urim and the Tumim. What is the Urim and Tumim? The Urim and Tumim is the, the, the word Urim and Tumim means light for perfections. Okay? Light for perfections or light for beauty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It was a breastplate, okay, like a shield. That was in front of Aaron's attire. The, the dress that was made for Aaron had a certain breastplate in front of it. A, a plate that was made out of uh, gold, hanging in front of Aaron's dress from the shoulder. That had holes in it that had um, rocks that were placed in those holes. Twelve holes were made with twelve rocks inside all the three this way, three this way, three this way. Three this way, making uh, 12. Okay? And they all had, each one had names of the children of Israel on it, the, the 12 tribes of Israel on it. So you have, you could have um, Reuben, then Simeon, then Gad, then Dan, then uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, Zebulun, Naphtali, uh, all those guys, Issachar, and all those guys, all their names were there on it. Then underneath it, inside it, the breastplate had two, two parts. There was one outward and one inward. The one inward, in, in between the two, there was a light that was placed inside the two. Okay? And the light, if, if you, someone needed direction concerning anything, that light, you come and come and ask them, um, should I go to uh, Kaswa or not? Okay? The light, now, this particular breastplate is hanging in front of the high priest, that is Aaron, or any, other, any of Aaron's children, who are actually, they were all part of the Levites. Okay? Hallelujah. So if you needed direction in life, all you needed to do was to come and ask them. 
And when you ask them, the light will divinely, supernaturally shine through the letters that were written on top of the, the rocks and show you yes or no. Can you imagine? It can just show you what to do. If you needed to go to show you, go. If you didn't need to go to show you, don't go. <laughs> Amazingly, David had an opportunity to have the effort as well. And every time when he's praying, you put it on. He had his own personal effort. He put it on. And when he talks to God, God always answered him. Hallelujah. But God gave this dream, this ability for direction in life to only the Levites. Look at the next thing. Look at what he said about them. So even though all the children of Israel struggled with God at Massa and Meribah, only Levi was given the women to me. Why? Look at the next thing. He says, Levi said, who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him. He said to his mother and to his father, I have not seen him. In other words, I have not seen you. Not I have not seen another person. I have not seen you. Neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children. For they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. When did this happen? He says, they didn't say, I have, he says neither did they say to their mother or father, I have, I have seen him. Eh? They just did what they were supposed to do. He says, neither did he acknowledge his brethren nor knew his own children. For they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. What does he mean? Ask your neighbor, what does he mean? Ask him, do you want to know what he means? What did he say? Go to Exodus. It's in Exodus. Exodus chapter 32. Yes, this is the breastplate I was talking about. Okay? This is not even, it's not gold plated. This is a, it's cloth. It's cloth throughout. But the original thing was gold plated. And it had, you see there are some writings on top of each one of them. All of them like that. Hallelujah. And it was in front. And there was a light inside. So the light would just shine. For instance, there was a guy who went to steal. Uh, the children of Israel was supposed to go and fight a certain nation called AI. The nation was as small as the name, AI. The nation was a very small, very small nation. They were not even up to 3,000 people. Very, very few. And the children of Israel were plenty. They sent a huge army there. When they went, they, the 3,000 people beat them, killed so many of them, and pushed them away. And we were wondering what, what had happened. So they went to ask God, what, God, what is happening? What have we done? Then God, when they asked, they were asking God, you know how God showed them? God showed them that there's a guy in one of the tribes who had stolen something from the other city they conquered. So as they stood before, all the children of, God, children of Israel stood before God. And as they stood before God, they asked, so which tribe is it? The light just shone through one of the tribes. <laughs> like that. Which family is it? The light just spelled out the family. Amponsa family. A-M-P-O-A-N-S-A blah 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 blah. H. Spelt it. Then, which of Aponsa's son, sons? Then they just spelt like that. Then they found a the guy. What was the guy's name? Achan. They found Achan out. And they stoned him. Because of his sin, Israel could not win the war. So they stoned him. When they stoned him and they went back, AI was AI, really. They finished them within a very short time. Hallelujah. Yeah. And there was a day God wanted to choose a king. The people said God should give them a king. And God was going to choose the king for them. God gave them a king. And the way they found out that one that God had chosen was through the human to me. It showed them who it picked the family out, the tribe out, picked the family out, and picked the, the father out, and picked the son out. And the son of Saul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you saying it? Yeah. So let's, let me show you how they, they became close to God. How they, they, be, they loved God. Okay? Their love for God. 
Hallelujah. They did not consider mother or father or children. They did what they were supposed to do. Let me show it to you. And because of that, they became worthy of the Lord. Hallelujah. I said Exodus, right? Exodus chapter 32. Let's read from verse 25. It says, And when the people saw that Moses was, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. This is a very significant scripture. The Bible says that when, when Moses saw that the people were naked, it doesn't mean that the, the people were naked physically, as in they were just naked and moving around. No. This particular scripture, let me give you a small background to this particular scripture. Okay? Moses had gone up to the mountain to go and receive the, the commandments in chapter 20. He just went up. God was giving the commandments. Moses was in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And as Moses was there, he took a very long time coming down. So the children of Israel pushed Aaron, Moses' deputy, for him to make them a golden calf. Okay? So they made, Aaron said that, oh, they just gave me their earrings. I casted it into the fire and it came out as a calf. You know, Aaron knew that there were a lot of miracles that were happening to the children of Israel in the desert. So he wanted Moses to think that the calf was a miracle. He, just, he said, I just put the gold inside the, inside the furnace and it just came out, the gold came out of the furnace as, as, a, as a golden calf. Hallelujah. God was very angry because they had broken the very first commandment of God. Before Moses went up, he asked them, will you obey all that God wants you to do? He said, hey, we will obey. We will do everything. Don't worry. You just go and collect and come. Before he came down, they are broken the very first one. When Moses came down, he was so angry, he grounded the golden calf and put it in water and gave it to everybody to drink. He said, drink of your own, your own foolishness. They, they drank of it. And when they drank of it, what actually happened was that the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt as an army, if you remember. If you read in Exodus chapter 13, let's read Exodus chapter 13, verse 18. Okay, this is how they came out of, the, of Israel, of Egypt, I mean. But God led the people about, this is Exodus 13 to 18, it says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harness out of the land of Egypt. They went up harness. The word harness means that they went out as a company of an army, arranged in an army, in an army form. Okay, they had five ranks, five different ranks. They were matched in five ranks. The Levites had their own rank, then that some of them you had, so the Levites would take the lead, okay, then uh, there were three tribes together, another three together, another three together, another three together, making four different companies with the other group, making five. Do you understand? They were marching in order as an army. Now you should understand why God took Jacob and his children to Egypt. When God made covenant with Abraham, he said that your seed, I know that your seed is going to inherit this land, but your seed will first of all go to Egypt. And it shall go and serve in that land for 400 years. And when they come out, they'll come out with great wealth. And the reason why they are going to that land, the reason why they are going to that, that land is because the iniquities of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Hivites is not yet come to the full. That's why God took them there. So that the iniquities of the Hittites, those who were living on that land will be full. When their iniquities are full, their sin is full, their cup is full. Everybody has a cup of sin. You know everybody has a cup of sin? Everybody has a cup that is called a cup of sin. Even Satan had one. When it gets full, then God judges. The whole world has one. And every individual also has one. Thank God your cup of sin is thrown away. You, are now, you, now, have, you now have a cup of holiness, a cup of righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
When that cup is full, then God judges. God doesn't just judge. God waits until the person has really done what he wants to do. So that when he's judging, he will judge the person without any problem. So he gives mercy for people to repent. When they don't repent and their cup gets full, then he pushes the cup away. The same thing was for the Hittites and all those guys. So he brought Egypt, uh, the Israelites into Egypt. He brought the Israelites into Egypt. So that the cup of the Amorites would be full. And when their cup was full, he brought them out. So that they would go and go and destroy them. So he wanted them to be an army to destroy and fight all those men, kill all of them. That was why he brought them out of Egypt. But when he brought them out, and Moses climbed up the mountain and came down, the children of Israel had built a golden calf and were doing their own thing. The Bible says they were naked. Because Aaron had made them naked in the eyes of their enemies. The word naked means that they were in disarray. They were out of control. They were out of order. They were not in the arrangement that God wanted them to be in. That's what it means. Are you following me? They were out of order. And God was very angry. When Moses came, some of them fell into order. But a lot of them didn't want to fall into order. So God told Moses what to do. This is what Moses did. Go back to Exodus chapter 32. Uh Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So Moses came, stood at the gate of the camp, the main gate, and said, Who is on the Lord's side? The tribe of Levi. All the sons of Levi came. And when they came, Moses said that, eh, only these people have, have come. Okay. Because you have come like this, everybody take your sword. All of you who have come, take your sword. And go through the camp from gate to gate. And kill all those who are in disorder. All those who are still naked. Do you get it? So they took their swords. Because God, the original plan of God was that they would be in order. But they disobeyed. They are in disorder. Some of them have come back in order. Others are still in disorder. So he sends the Levites to go and do his bidding. And the sons of Levi went out, and the Bible says that they killed. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 27. And he said unto them, That said the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate through the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Have you seen it? And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And the fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. So about 3,000 men were still in this array. They were still naked. They were still out of order. And the tribe of Levi, the sons of Levi went out and killed all of those people. And they didn't care whether they were their children, or their mother, or their father. They, all, they, all they cared about was fulfilling the instruction of God. All they cared about was doing what God wanted them to do. Look at the next verse. Let's read in the Amplified. The next verse must be read in Amplified. And Moses said to the Levites, By your obedience to God's command, you have consecrated yourselves today as priests to the Lord. Each man at the cost of being against his own son and his own brother, that the Lord may restore and bestow his blessing upon you this day. Have you seen it? Since by virtue of what you have done, you have consecrated yourself. You are now separated from everybody. You have put your place, yourself in the place of blessing to carry me, to carry my presence in a special way. The Levites are the only ones who carry the presence of God. They are the ones who have the, the Ark of Covenant sitting upon their shoulders. They are the only ones who carry the things that have to do with God. Apart from them, nobody else can do it. If anybody touches the things of God, they will die. How did they become what they became? It was because they set themselves apart. And decided that they would love the Lord, no matter his instruction, even if it is at the cost of their children, at the cost of their wife, at the cost of their father, at the cost of their mother. Hallelujah. You must decide to separate yourself unto the Lord. You must decide to love the Lord, no matter what. 
And the more you do that, the more his presence comes upon you. And the more his presence comes upon you, the more results you produce. I'm going to bear fruit like never before. Say, I'm going to bear fruit like never before. Because I'll fulfill my ministry of being a disciple by loving the Lord with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my strength. Not caring what shall befall me. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what they did. So they, the Lord became, they became worthy of the Lord. Jesus said that the one who does not, who loves more than, loves the, all these people more than me is not worthy of me. They became worthy of the Lord. I've showed you how to become worthy of the Lord. You must follow the instructions of, follow the command of God, follow, follow the word of God for your life. What is his word for your life? Love me more than you love every other thing. Don't let any lady, you think about a lady so much that you can't sleep at night. Oh, 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 oh. It is true. It is so true. You can't, you can't sleep. It is wrong. There's something wrong. You are losing out. Do you understand? Yeah. You know, when you marry the person, the person is living in your house, you won't think about the person again. Why are you wasting your time? Why don't you think moderately so that when you marry, you continue thinking like that? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people think, I, I'll be out. How could I live without you? Now you are in your room and you are singing, you are singing this to yourself. How, how could I live without you? can't even cry. I want to know. How could I live without you? If you ever go. How could I ever, ever survive? You are singing in your room. You are alone. You are just... And you're thinking about this guy, this girl. Yes, Celine Dion is doing worship with you. I just. <laughs> At the expense of the Lord. The Lord is there. Forget about God. Some at the expense, some do it with their jobs. Yes, they so care about their job. They so care about the project that they are doing. God is on the periphery. Forget about Him. Okay? It's not supposed to be like that. God wants you to so love him with all of your heart, with everything that is in you. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You see, the psalmist will, he will tell his soul, says, My soul, praise the name of the Lord. My soul, bless, the na- bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Yeah. You must, sometimes you must sit down to your, and say to yourself that, Listen, you will love the Lord. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, You will love the Lord with all of your heart. You love your, the Lord with everything that you have. Because that is what your secret is. Okay, let me finish what I was reading to you in Exodus chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 33. Okay, the blessings of Moses towards or on the children of Levi. Hallelujah. Says, they shall teach Jacob their judgment. Because they have their human to me. Okay, and because they've consecrated themselves to God by slaying everybody, putting everybody aside. He says, they shall be, they shall teach Jacob your judgment. They shall teach Jacob your, your word. The more you, you see, the more you, you fellowship with the Lord, eh, the more of his word you get to know. And the more of the word you get to know, the more God puts you in a place where you can teach others. And when you are teaching others, they have eternal reward, both here on earth and also there in heaven. Since they shall teach Jacob thy judgment and Israel thy, Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee. In other words, they, shall, they, are, they are the ones to bring you 
worship. The more you get to love the Lord, sometimes you can hear a song and you just you hear a song and you are just so excited about the Lord. For you are glorious, oh, and worthy to be praised. Someone will hear that song and it will not do anything to him. But you hear that song and it will move you. The Lamb upon the throne, and you reign. The Lord will become beautiful to you. Can you imagine that Jesus is beautiful to you? Jesus becomes someone who is attractive to you, for you. He's attractive for you. He's attractive. It's a prayer. It's the desire of the Spirit for your life. Okay? It's the desire of the Spirit for your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. In Second Peter chapter 1, he mentions, he says that, I pray. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. The word knowledge is the epignosis. The full, complete knowledge. Eh? Grace and peace multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The knowledge of our, of our, of our Savior, of Jesus our Lord. And the word knowledge there is epignosis, the intimate relationship, intimate knowledge of God. You get to know Him intimately for yourself. It's so important. God must become beautiful to you. You must learn to praise Him in the beauty of holiness. You so love Him that no matter what happens, you don't care. So long as God is there with you, you are fine. Hallelujah. And that's the desire of God for your life. That's the calling of God. That is what it means to be a disciple. That's the first and only. Actually, every other thing comes out of that. You will work for Him if you love Him. Oh, you will work for Him. Oh, the reason why we do all the things that we do is because we love Him. Even when we are pressed, we still love Him. Even when we are insulted, we still love Him. We can't say we have stopped. When there's money or no money, we still love Him. It makes no difference. We still love Him. Because we love Him. Because of our love for Him. You see, today God, God is calling you to develop your love for Him. Love Him with everything that you have. Love him. Cut everything away. For Abraham, Isaac became a competition for God in his life. And God told him, sacrifice this to your son for me. Your son that you love. The word love then means the son that is, has become your friend. God was, Abra- was Abraham's friend. When Isaac, whom he was asking from God, came, Isaac replaced God. Isaac had become God's friend. Isaac had become Abraham's friend. And God said that, listen, sacrifice is your friend. This is your guy for me. I want to see whether you do it. And we all know the story. In the end, God didn't take the child away. God is not saying he will take your family away from you. Okay. God is not saying go and kill your family. Or go and say to your mother, that, I hate you, I, I hate you, I hate you. There's nothing like that. That's not what God is asking for. What God is asking for is that compared to your love for them, love me more. Jesus asked Peter, Simon, lovest me more than these things? Do you love him more than these things? You must love him more than every other thing. We must love him more than living our own life. Pinch your neighbor and see. Pinch your neighbor. Do you feel it? Yeah. Do you pinch it? Yes, it's good. Pinch your neighbor and see. See how painful it is? Yeah. God wants, God wants you, to, you to have feeling for him more than you have for your pain. When you hear that someone that God treasures... It's not doing well. It should move you to tears. Do you understand? Sometimes we hear that uh, there's a country that has war happening in it. There's people are dying in it. We don't even care. People don't care. Do you know that? People don't care. Nobody cares. Also, Christians don't care. Uh, just them. Let them fight. I've forgotten that those are the those are the love objects of God. What 
as you learn to love him, what moves you? It's, listen, you be, I see you becoming a wonderful Christian, a wonderful disciple, by virtue of what you are going to be doing with yourself. Hallelujah. See, I'm in love with the Lord. I'm in love with the Lord. Not with a certain lady shepherd. Hallelujah. Rise up on your feet and just begin to thank God. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.